0: I spent a good time of my career working undercover, chasing different gangs and what have
1: you. I've done 21 years in prison my entire life, and I'm 45. So I've done half of my life in prison. Holy
0: moly. As I really started to evaluate whether or not I wanted to continue law enforcement, and cells had always tugged at me
1: i see some horrific things. I've seen chainsaws go to work. I've seen machetes go to work. I've seen body parts that weren't supposed to be apart from each other. I've seen some very empty souls that were shells of men who had no remorse for life at all.
2: It took a guy that's in the same shoes you were to get out, to win in business, to really reinvest back into somebody to make sure they don't go back to that life. And now I'll pass it along as much hey, as Amen to that, bro. Right around
0: 2019 is when the whole faith and financial side really started mm-hmm. to collide. I got saved and baptized in 2019. And then I opened my first business in 2019.
1: David Harris Jr. He says, God sent his only son to be slaughtered and his blood to purify and clean everybody's sins in this world, but yours? That hit hard.
0: Imagine a living room with about a dozen guys tatted up, Gucci, Louis, Rolex's iced out. Come and see former cartel get baptized by a narco and a Super Bowl champion. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are the odds of that? Yeah, right?
1: People have the the misconception that God is weak, or you got to turn your cheek. What people don't understand is God is a God of war. He loves his warriors. He loves his yeah, soldiers. Sure. He demands the level of respect. Mm-hmm. I'm warning mm-hmm. you, you don't want what's coming with <laughs> that. And uh, he'll destroy countries. And, and yeah. there's one statement on there that says, I will erase you and your whole bloodline from the face of this earth. You have never existed here. That was the most powerful gangster shit I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. I said, That's the kind of God I could get behind.
2: former United States Marine SWAT cop versus cartel leader. What will happen on this episode? Stand by and you'll find out. What's cracking, everybody? Money Smart Guy, Matt Zappala here. Hailing to you from Dallas, Texas. And in the studio today with me is Travis Ala and uh, Jose Escamilla Jr. And uh, we're going to have an interesting conversation today. But what unites us is one thing and is our faith our father in heaven and uh, praise God that he's healed a lot of us and brought us all back together as entrepreneurs, making a difference in our community. So uh, before I uh, bring them on, I want to introduce Travis Ayla. Uh, Travis here isn't just any coach. He's a former United States Marine SWAT leader and undercover detective turned powerhouse entrepreneur and speaker. You'll learn more about his story here in a second. Jose Escamilla Jr. was born into a legacy of extreme adversity, challenges and struggles many have faced throughout their lives during various times in human history. And he continues to not let the situational circumstances of his life be the defining legacy he pursues. I interviewed a gentleman named Ryan Steumann earlier, uh, actually a couple years ago when he first moved here to Dallas. He was telling me a story about how he uh, uh, got in prison and uh, gang leaders were running to prison. And uh, one of the people running the gang, the Latino gang, is this guy. So we're going to hear about his story here. But uh, with that being said, gentlemen, welcome to the Seven Figure Squad Conversation Podcast.
0: What's up, man? Appreciate you. Thank it's you crack
2: like, and thanks for coming here, man. Very good, Travis. Yes, sir. Devil Dog. Let, let's let's start with you. Uh, uh, I was sharing with everybody uh, before you got here that uh, uh, Jordan, if you can uh, show my screen here real quick, uh, I go to Elevate Life Church. And one and one morning, and one morning, Pastor Keith Craft was sharing a story about this United States Marine. And my son was in the audience with me that day. And uh anyway, make a long story short, Pastor Keith Craft, after sharing a video and the story of Travis, he asked a question: who would like to give the life to Christ today? And um, you know, just like any altar call, I'm like, okay, cool people around me and awesome. I awesome. And um, he asked the second question. All right, for those of you that didn't raise your hand, for the people, ask the persons here left and your right, did you raise your hand? Did you raise your hand? Did you want to raise your hand? And I went jokingly to my son, did you raise your hand? He goes, I did. I'm like, You did? He goes, Are you sure you did? Yeah, I raised my hand, Dad. You raise your hand, accept Christ. He goes, like, I did. <laughs> Holy moly, right? It was after Travis's testimony. On stage, a friend of mine, Marcus Sar, took pictures of this moment. Awesome, awesome, awesome moment! And there, there's us here. Um, uh, is, is is there a little lag on the on the screen there? Uh, perfect. Perfect. So there it is. We're we're coming back from the altar call, and uh, it's my son Jojo. And I, I still got this look on my face, like I can't believe what it is what <laughs> just <see>. happened.
1: <laughs> right? So they look at that face. Like, look like a proud moment. <laughs> like a yeah. proud
2: moment. Right? Like going back to our chairs. Still processing it. But uh, Travis, talk to us about your story, brother. Talk to us about you know, what really impacted me about your story. Is Not only were you a United States Marine, but you went through some tragedies, serving as a cop, serving as a SWAT officer, and, and, and uh, the unforeseen tragedy of the accident happened. Mm-hmm. But uh, before we get into that, talk to us about your story.
0: Uh, yeah, sure. <clears throat> so uh, grew up, we'll just say, without strong father figure, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's not necessarily a unique story. Uh, but in doing so, it definitely pushed me through a lifestyle of pursuing um, some form of leadership, some form of uh, validation, and just really try to prove myself out there. Uh, that led to the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. You know, a, lot of, <clears throat> a lot of guys, that led to Which the Marine Corps. Uh, so I was a, started off as an O231, so intelligence Intelli- specialist, Intelli- yep. yeah. and then uh, field radio operator after that. Gotcha. Is, is there such thing as Marine Corps intelligence, man? I mean, if we're comparing Marines, <laughs> right? <laughs> if we're comparing to other branches, I don't know. Really, That's <laughs> it, brother. It, bro. um, and then, and so, uh, uh,
2: how many how many years did you end up doing?
0: Uh, so, right at four, got out in 06. Um, had no idea what I was going to do. Yeah. Right. A lot, a lot of service guys do, uh, and women, right? Get out and kind of lose their sense of identity that the branch has given them. Uh, got back into restaurants and things that I had done prior. And ultimately, found myself back into a brotherhood environment in law
2: enforcement. Um, Typically, what most service uh, members do: yep, cop, firefighter, postal worker, mm-hmm. something with something with the trades. You chose law enforcement yeah,
0: structure and yeah. all that stuff, right? Right. Structure, so I chose, chose law guns. enforcement. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah.
2: And uh,
0: of course, I, I was young and driven and alpha ego, all these things. Yeah. So uh, as soon as I got in, I was like, "How do I become SWAT? How do I become?" Uh, undercover, all the cool stuff you see on TV. Sure. So pursued making a name for myself there and did so. Uh, I'd say within about two years, got on SWAT, uh, got on uh, narcotics, undercover, uh, became a team leader on SWAT team, um, lead detective on a nice. uh, narco unit, did a lot of work out of D.C., Baltimore, and uh, really was filling myself, if I'm, if I'm being honest, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> What's <laughs> but, the coolest thing about being a able...
2: SWAT officer? Yeah. Um, Versus just a regular beat cop, obviously, I, I, you know, the high level stuff that you're trained in.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's shorter adrenaline rushes, but very intense, right? Um, the thing about working the road is you never know what environment you're going into. It's mm-hmm. all just open world environment. You don't know what the risks are. You don't know what the challenges are going to be. Um, but when you're getting ready to knock down a door, like as rush, you, you know the yeah. the odds of a gun being on the other side. The odds of somebody not wanting to go to jail. Come out alive all these things just gets very heightened mm-hmm. right so the difference being on the road it's a constant up and down um when you're in swat yeah. like it's always up right? right so even if it's a barricade it's a suicidal subject whatever it may be you know you're you're running high
2: octane right out of the gate so gotcha so what got me about your story very relatable stuff for me sitting in the audience <clears throat> What really got me about your story was the tragedy you went through. Tell, tell us about that tragedy you went through in that unforeseen accident.
0: Yeah. So, uh, I'd say it was right around 2015 was the height of my career. Uh, I couldn't go anywhere in a tri-state area and you not hear my name on a tactical side. Really? or um, I'd i done a lot of things uh, for reputation, right? So That's what we call a Billy badass. <laughs> not far off from that. Um, <laughs> so... But in 2015, uh, I definitely got humbled. So, I'm on the way back from the gym, and I get involved in an accident. Uh, I rear-ended another vehicle, and my car flipped a few times on top of that vehicle. And I immediately became uh, I immediately become the first responder. Right? Uh, I get out. I assess the vehicle. I go into first responder mode. Long story short, um, three occupants of that vehicle. One was killed instantly, mm-hmm. uh, and two uh, of the occupants, which were, uh, minors, uh, ended up dying within 48 hours Mm. post-accident. Wow. Um, I came out of that accident unscathed, scratches, that's about it. Uh, and it definitely sent me down a spiral of questioning what was my life about? What had I been building everything up for? What have Mm -hmm. I been chasing? What was this image, persona, um, ego that I've been building for what, right? Um, at the end of the day, um, what is this life about, and who am I? And that yeah. that sent me on a journey that was more of a figuring out whose I was rather than who I was. Um, I was far from God at that moment, but uh, an incident like that yeah. can definitely for, have you seeking a lot of different things, yeah. right? Yeah. So,
2: and you're getting well. The social media. I mean, I, I could imagine being a cop today. I mean, it's <laughs> it's it's uh, you're not only overworked, but compared to what you have to give up and you have one bad day. Everybody in the world knows about yep. you. They know your address, they know your badge number, they know your family. And uh, But what happened in that crisis? And then there, there's a lot of negative stuff coming at you, like why should this guy be a cop, mm-hmm. blah, 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 all these different things. Can you tell, tell people a little bit about that? Yeah, so, so
0: um, you're immediately brandished with all the worst, right? So you yeah. must have been speeding, you must have been drinking and driving, all the things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Come to find out at the end i was actually going under the speed limit it wasn't on a phone or anything like that but immediately you're in the spotlight you're guilty right out of the gate yeah. um the public courts correct yeah yeah uh and i'm, I'm that person that is really hard on myself anyway mm-hmm. um and gives myself all the feedback to try to be better to try to figure out um, what the opportunities for improvement are and that's not necessarily a good trait in that situation because what that led to was reading all the tabloids, all the social media posts, yeah, all wow. the comments, right? And that sends you down a very,
2: very dark place. Yeah. Because one thing to have a opinion online and people don't agree with you and they troll you that way. Yeah. But in this situation, lives are lost, your yep. career is online, your future, your self confidence, your self assurance, a lot of doubt, fear is going through your head. I couldn't imagine that all in one type of experience.
0: Yeah. It makes you, uh, you know, question everything. I mean, makes you think about changing your name. <laughs> makes you think wow. about leaving the country. Makes wow. you think about jumping off a building. Like yeah. It makes you question everything. Right. Um, it, it'll, it'll turn you inward to an isolation stance of you get into this uh, phase where you just, you think everybody knows. Yeah. Right. I mean, when it's national mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. you, you don't think you can walk into anybody, meet anybody that, isn't aware of it, hasn't heard about it, hasn't seen it or read it. And if they haven't, they're going to, right? Especially in today's day and age, they'll just Google you right off the bat. For sure. You know, you you can meet somebody today and within five minutes, they're Googling you. Right? So, running into that, that stays with you for
2: a long time. I mean, it never goes away. Yeah, for sure. Because it's stuck and you don't control the links. Yep. Um, Talk to us about what happened then. At the end of the day, what happened? What did the the actual legal courts find?
0: Um, So... They chose not to indict. Um, They gave me a citation for failure to um, avoid collision, control speed to avoid collision. Uh, It was not a popular um, settle. Mm -hmm. We'll just say that. And there was probably 32 different things I was being charged with at the time. Mm -hmm. So it all came down to that one citation. And that just honestly reignited the whole thing. Wow. Right? Because then it was, it's because he's a cop, because he's white, because of this, because of that. Really? And then wow. everybody comes in afterwards about their expectations and their expertise, right? Like, yeah. well, somebody must have messed up the traffic investigation. Um, hate mail comes even twice, three wow. times as much. Uh, you know, I I spent a good time in my career working undercover, um, chasing different gangs and what have you. Mm-hmm. And I got death threats all the time. Yeah. Believe me when I tell you, the death threats that came from the accident, they a whole nother level. Wow. Um, wow. And then something like that is obviously, like I said, it's going to follow you forever. Yep. Um, and I had a baby on the way. You know, I'm thinking about a family and mm-hmm. all these things. Yeah. And it just makes you wonder, what have you done to tarnish the name? Are you ever going to be able to create a legacy and something for your kids to aspire to be, or is it always going to be discounted, right? So,
2: Travis, how did it go from somebody passing away, car accident, to a citation?
0: Right, because the outcome of the accident Mm -hmm. was the fatalities, right? But the accident itself, um, there's nothing negligent or reckless enough for manslaughter, things of that nature. What I was guilty of was failure to control speed. Um, mm-hmm. to avoid an accident, mm-hmm. right No different than if you failed to control your speed and hit a car or stoplight. I mean that's a it's a pretty common occurrence Got it, right Got it. That's really what it boiled down to was the outcome of the accident not necessarily impacting and influencing the actual um, action. How, how did God show up in a situation? Um, by opening my eyes to the possibility of them, um, when I think back to that year, cause that investigation went on for a good year and were you su- like
2: suspended administrative suspension or. Yep.
0: I was suspended for a while, not the whole year, but yeah. I was suspended for the while. Um, one thing that I, that I remember kept pulling me out of a dark space, mm-hmm. confusing, okay. but pulled me out of dark space was people saying like, man, you, you've got a guardian angel. Like God's <laughs> got plans for you. Yeah. Um, which is a hard thing to hear in that moment when people have lost their lives, right? And it's like, why does God have plans for me? Yep. He's going to take them. Yep. Um, but it was enough for me to start wondering yep. right, and start thinking. God yep. was far off, outside my radar. Sure. And if if those comments, those Christ-like gestures from people mm-hmm. and uh, lack of judgment, lack of gossip, yeah. if that hadn't been there to break up the overwhelming amount of judgment
2: and gossip, uh, I don't know that I'd be here, to be honest.
0: Oh, wow. Because it got yeah. pretty heavy.
2: Wow. And uh, we'll, we'll, t- we'll talk about your move to mm-hmm. Texas here in a second. But sure. let me ask you this question. As a SWAT officer, mm-hmm. somebody that's undercover, somebody that's looking for gang leaders and cartel leaders, what are you looking for? Um,
0: I mean, we can get to all the different profiling things, right? But um, organization, motives, uh, different types of crowds, different types of um, signal signs, locales. Uh, everybody operates different, right? The nine-to-five person has a specific routine. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The public servant has a specific routine. The entrepreneur has a specific routine. So does a member of the criminal underworld. Um, they stay in certain pockets. As you elevate to different levels and tiers of that mm-hmm. underworld, you actually yeah. find yourself associating a network in different pockets. They're yeah. more affluent and what have you. But there are certain things that stand out, right? Different mm-hmm. lifestyle, um, abilities, um, different ways of carrying yourself. So body language, attire, things gotcha. that, that kind of really point to it.
2: In, in a minute, everybody, you're going to, you're going to hear about Travis's rise back from the pit to entrepreneurship and how his business moves had led him to our connection and what he's mm-hmm. doing right now here in, in the, in the, uh, in the Dallas, uh, North Dallas area too, as well. So, uh, well, let's talk about you, Jose. Uh I can introduce you through Ryan Stillman. But uh interestingly, he said that uh, when he was in prison, you're the guy you're the guy running the gangs. You're you're the guy that uh former cartel leader and, and uh, a lot of people are in fear of you. So who is this clean cut guy next to me
1: right now, man? What, 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 what happened here? It's called reform. <laughs> tell tell us a little bit about your story. Are you, are you originally from Dallas? Yes, born and raised here. Um same same kind of story rough childhood uh, fed me enough anger and 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 punishment growing up to where at 13 I decided to jump off the porch and venture off to play big boy games uh with the thoughts at 13 when I decided to jump off the porch uh a lot of things had happened between the ages of five and 13 so that was eight years I'm on my dad's second family so my okay. cousins that I grew up around with, were ten years plus older than us. And for whatever reason, they they really picked on me. Like they black eyes, broken noses, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, I hate going to family functions. And these these cousins and, and family members lived nearby. And we lived in a rough neighborhood. Uh even though our, our fathers were the alligators of those swamps, we still had a venture off on our own. You couldn't you couldn't hang on to your dad's shirt tail of his influence in the neighborhood, you had to go create your own. Your own name? Yeah, your own name. Your own own reputation, yeah. Yes, absolutely. So at 13, I jump off. um, I go to a family member's, uh, a friend of the family, and I ask him to give me, you know, 13 years old. I'm going to this grown 20, 30-year-old man asking him to front me 10 pounds of weed. Uh, I have a friend whose grandfather was was selling 20s and ounces out of his house. So he's like, nah, if I don't know what you can do with two, why am I going to trust you with 10? So he gave me two pounds of weed. Uh, I take it to my friend, kind of convince him to go pitch it at his grandfather. I made 150 off each one. Uh, The transaction went smooth. I came back, gave him the money. Now you know what I can do with two. Give me the 10. You're wasting my time, right? 13, arrogant. I I was just so full confident in myself. But the transition that that put there was I would – I would ask God, I would ask whoever was out there to Mm. make me tougher, make me bigger, make me stronger. I got tired of people picking on me. So I decided to jump out the porch, go start pitching. And I was making, I don't know, about three grand a week, maybe a little bit more. Uh, It's a lot of money for a 13-year-old, but I... I did it to support my little brothers and my little sister.
2: Interesting.
1: Yeah. So wow. my dad.
2: Were well, you the oldest of the? Uh, I was the okay, oldest.
1: Okay. So my dad had to excuse himself from America for a few years, and left my mom to do her own thing with yeah. us. So in my eyes, I felt like, okay, it's time to man up. Let's go fucking. Let's go do our things. Yeah. Use my language. Oh, Let's go. Let's go do, let's do, go do our thing. So ripped. Yeah. <laughs> so I started. Uh, I went. I graduated from that to opening. I had friends, so my neighborhood is it's it's in West Dallas. It's it's the Hispanic community, a black community, Hispanic community, a black community, and all the way towards the end is a neighborhood called Cross Hampton. I knew some friends over there because we used to ride the bus. And when I grew up in the early '90s, going to school, uh, we had to meet. In a neutral ground for the school bus to pick us up. So Mm -hmm. it was blacks against the Mexicans. Mm -hmm. Every morning we had a fight with these dudes. Well, what happens in a fight, you either become the worst enemies or you all become the best of friends, right? So me and this dude fought for, I don't know, six months, whatever that Mm -hmm. school year was. I convinced him to open up the projects for me and he would be my partner. And obviously, I got things a lot more cheaper than anybody else did. Right. So we opened up the projects. Uh, I ended up renting one room out of a six duplex. And about three months after that, I ended up owing leasing all six duplexes at the age of 13, 14. Uh, You're expanding your operation. Expanding the operation. <laughs> but what, what got me to thinking was, okay. At 13 years old. 13. Oh, okay. I It's weighed, pretty
2: entrepreneurial. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I weighed about 90 pounds. Uh I've always been short. Obviously, as you get older, you put on more muscle and, and get mm-hmm. wider, right? Uh, so my next obstacle was how am I going to protect myself against these adult crackheads, right? So these are grown people between the ages of somewhere anywhere between eighteen to fifty. Uh, they can easily overpower me, even if I had a gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can easily overpower me and rush me. I, at the moment, I wasn't experienced. Um, in, in close quarter combats with pistols at the moment. Now, I knew how to shoot from here to there, right? Yeah. But if someone's here, yeah, yeah he can grab me sure. before I'm, I'm able to move. Uh, so I hired two older dudes in the neighborhood that were, that were very influential, and I just gave them dope at my price. So even then, it feeds them and their families just to be able to watch over me. Yeah. So I ended up hiring two goons to watch over me. And then that progress. But, but they were also... Customers of your, of your product. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I, right. I would front them a big, a big, but they just couldn't sell on that block. See, that's the way you river, convince but... them to to work for you to protect you. Yeah. Yeah. So I had some gunners, one of them to stay on the roof in case somebody came and snatched, they can snipe them from the roof. We had this whole thing. But even that in the winter, while everybody was at home drinking chocolate, watching the elf movie and, <laughs> and all that, I'm out there freezing my, my little. Whatever my 13-year-old body can muster up in, yeah. in heat. Mm-hmm. Um because we didn't have heaters yeah. in 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 these this no, six duplex. It was cold as heck. Yeah. So just that made me stronger just to be out there shivering and my my teeth shattering. Um, just trying to pitch, just just building something for myself. Yeah. Saying enough is enough. But what got me there was all that pain yeah. that I was fed, the prayers that I was given. Uh, in order for God to make you tougher, he's gonna put you through roughs to rain, yeah. to come out better and stronger. Yeah. Uh, if you want to learn how to love, you're going to have your heart broken to understand how love works in and out. So everything that that I felt was a curse growing up ended up being a blessing as I got older. Uh, I went to TYC at 14 for shooting somebody. What's uh, TYC? Texas to Murder, Texas Youth Commission. Okay. So it's like the baby penitentiary okay, for gotcha. teenagers. That, that place is worse than the adult prisons because mm-hmm. you got a bunch of teenage kids with their hormones going crazy, mm-hmm. something approved, chips on their shoulders. Somebody Everybody's there yeah. scared, so yeah. they're angry at the same time. Um, so, yeah, that was a, 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 that prepared me for the adult prison system. Uh, when I got out, I went right back to selling drugs and, and playing with guns. And I created a gang before I went to TYC, which is still active right now, so it's crazy. A uh, 13-year-old kid, 14-year-old kid creating a gang that's still active 30-something years later is like, wow. It's crazy. Yeah. 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 So your decisions today can carry on for 30 years from now and have an impact mm-hmm. on other people.
2: I'm just curious. Have you gone back to that gang? Hey, listen, no. That was the
1: one who, who started this thing. No. Yeah. I, I actually got out of that gang when I was in TYC. Oh, so I, got it. I, I started it. I empowered it. And then when I went to TYC, I was like, nah, I'm, I'm due for something better and bigger. Got you. So when I get out, I started acting up again. My father was like, okay, you and your little brother think you all some badasses. Let me show you all what badasses are, right? Because I had already went to the baby pen for attempted murder. I was selling drugs, driving the big cars. So he sent us over to the Gulf of med school. And a notorious Gulf cartel runs that whole area called the Gulf cartel. <laughs> and uh they took us in um one of my uncles is Golf Cartel so there's a difference between working for the cartels and being cartel mm-hmm. there's a huge difference and people don't understand it just cuz you get your drugs from the Golf Cartel the Sinaloa cartel doesn't make you Sinaloa cartel or Golf Cartel it just means you they supply you mm-hmm. right so a lot of people claim to be golf cartel or whatever other cartels that they're working for. There's a few of them. I lost track of how many there are out there right now. But um, my uncle is golf cartel. And the only way to be in that inner circle is through a bloodline. Mm -hmm. So that's where I came in. I I was bloodlined into it. And at 16, 17 years old, what they started teaching us is military warfare by the setas, which were uh, a military force for the Mexican army uh, that were trained by the Navy SEALs here in America.
2: Interesting, bro. Seriously, like, like we're, mm-hmm. we're indirectly training our own enemies.
1: Yeah. yeah. So they started working for the military, but they weren't making enough money and it was dangerous. Yeah. So the Gulf Cartel approached them and said, hey, yeah. get a unit together and yeah. we'll make y'all millions. Mm-hmm. And they eventually ended up venturing off and started the Setas. Yeah. Um so, they taught us, <laughs> this was crazy, uh, they taught me military warfare, uh, they taught me how to to force my way into an environment, do what I need to do, and exit out of there. Um, very good with knives, guns, uh, grenades, explosives. Uh, they, they also taught a us... boy
2: <laughs> top conversation with
1: <going> <laughs> <laughs> yeah they t- they taught us uh logistics how to transfer drugs uh, across the mm-hmm. US uh how to transfer money from whatever areas to point a to point b uh how to negotiate with 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 uh with people that are in our way right uh how to negotiate for money or Extortion, I realized East fit. So very charismatic, charming people. Uh, they taught us uh, accounting. <laughs> How are they
2: charismatic and charming? So a smile, and a gap. Yeah. Right?
1: So and that goes with what he was saying is there's different things that that people in in his old field are looking for. They're looking for the bald headed thugs with all the tattoos and and the flashy clothes, but. Honestly, man, the real cartels, <coughs> they dress just like, yeah. Damn, they wear bro. suits, they wear Versace, they wear Seriously. real nice clothes. Whoa. They look like board members in, in mm-hmm. at the GQ Whoa. magazine. And some of them are in shape, some of them aren't. Uh, you can't tell. People think that they can tell and they paint this picture of these gallon cowboy hats and these mm-hmm. big mustaches. Mm-hmm. Nobody looks like that. Yeah. There yeah. are some that, that yeah. had inherited that old culture but we understand that you need to be able to look more like a businessman than a guy with a big John Holmes mustache. Right. And, and the old gallon hat from boss hog. Um, so it wasn't, we weren't the type of, now they're very violent individuals, borderline evil. Like I've seen some very empty souls, uh, there were shells of, of men who had no remorse for, 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 for life at all. I've seen some horrific things. I've seen chainsaws go to work. I've seen machetes go to work. I've seen dynamite go to work. I've seen body parts that weren't supposed to be apart from each other. Um, at 17 years old, my mind had just developed between the ages of seven and 14. That's when your mind's still developing Mm -hmm. into adulthood, trying to figure out where you're going to. So all of this, even though it felt wrong, it was only right on you because the people that were supposed to be protecting me and providing me and giving me wisdom and understanding to be a better person growing up were directing me in that direction. So to me, I I wasn't doing anything wrong. Uh, Normal children with normal families, if you steal a vehicle, and they're like, okay, we're gonna call your mom. They were afraid, oh, don't call my mom, call my dad, call my dad, yeah. my mom is gonna beat my ass. Well, I didn't have that. Yeah. My parents were like, go, mm-hmm. go do whatever it is you need yeah. to do. So it's kind of like a hall pass to go live your wildest, most yeah. dangerous and uh, life that you could possibly live. And, and me thinking, okay, this is my family raising me, telling mm-hmm. me that this is good. I love my family. I'm going to protect and provide for my family. But most importantly, I'm going to represent for my family. So they taught us accounting. They taught us logistics, obviously. Accounting, logistics. <laughs> yeah. How to get 17. intelligence. Well, that's the thing. Is, is
0: it really is like you saying, saying. Uh, I mean, there's levels to it, right? Yeah. That was one thing I, you learned on the other side. Is like it, It's a business at the end of the day, right? Like yeah. There's so many pieces that...
2: Whether legit business or in, here in underground business, it's still the yeah. principles of business. Yeah, the changed. structure's still yeah. the same. Everything still gets leveled up and
0: layered up. And, um, yeah, the, the ones that you can easily pick are usually the ones that you have to watch for because they got something proven. they're just out there doing stupid stuff. Yeah. The other ones, is, it's
2: literally like a like a business. Yeah, otherwise the cartels don't really want to be seen. No. They're, they're covered and concealed is mm-hmm. is is the way they dress and looking like a legit businessman. So when I interviewed Brian Steuben, he talked to me about the time in prison where he was starting to teach financial education, (laughs) principles, capitalism, and entrepreneurship. And for months there, there was peace. Because you found different games were actually doing business with one another. Well, you happened to be one of those guys. Yeah. What happened in that scenario?
1: So uh, I'm big on chess. I love playing chess. Uh, I'm a a student of that that game. Just because of the way it expands your mind where, you know, on the board, you got to, think ahead. Okay. Why did Matt move his pawn over here? Uh, Was he trying to open up for you? Start asking your questions and then you start seeing any possible area where you can attack me. Um, So I was playing chess and as we were sitting there talking, we have enough money to start opening businesses outside of prison. And I was like, we ought to get into real estate. So I asked around in uh, one of the shot callers for the white boys named shotgun. Um, Said, there's a guy here, just got here. His name is Ryan. He lives downstairs in Rapani's room. Uh, He does mortgages, so he (laughs) understands real estate. So there's, in my cell, I used to have two tables sit out there, and my my cell was like at the end of the hallway, so that's where everybody hung out at, my Mm -hmm. guys. And they'd sit out there, smoke weed, drink alcohol. uh, In prison. Yeah, in prison. Uh, Shoot dyes, (laughs) cell phones, they have Rolexes. In prison. In prison, (laughs) Yeah, we live different in it. When you got money, you live different in there All and right. influence. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. All right. And uh so I sent two of the big goons. There, they were like best friends. They like fighting and beating up on each other. I'm like, hey, I got something for y'all to do. Go get this guy named Ryan Stuman. He lives with Michael Rapani. Bring him up here. So you got these two monsters, probably about as tall as both of y'all, big dudes, tattoos on their faces, necks. It looked pretty intimidating. Mm-hmm. Uh the story is I, I didn't go with them, but the story is they went and knocked on a door. And Mike and him uh, were in there and they were like, which one of y'all is Ryan? And I said, uh, said, he is. He said, all right, uh, Wawa wants to talk to you. That's you? Yeah. He said, he wants to talk to you. Go upstairs. So when they close the door, Mike's like, hey, bro, what'd you do? (laughs) <laughs> he goes. I, I literally just got here. I, I. What do you want me to? I don't know. He goes. Hey, go up there and fix that. Don't bring that to myself. Go up there and fix that. It's so that. funny. man. He just gets there. Everybody knows the. Everybody knows the drop. Yeah. yeah. Everybody. Oh, right? God, <laughs> we're trying to launder some money, and this this is the man that can do it for us. Go get it for me. Yeah. So uh, he comes upstairs in my my hallway. They called it Whiskey Row because when you turned off the lights at night, you couldn't really see anything past your hand. So it was was dangerous. It was dangerous up there, like huge, dangerous. And uh, if you were a snitch or a child molester or anything with those level of charges, yeah, yeah, people would convince you to go up there at night. Yeah, you probably will not come back down, not walking. Wow. And uh, he gets up there. I finished my game with this guy. We would play for $50 a move. So that means if I made ten moves and I lose, oh, yeah. I pay the fifty dollars for each move that nah, I made, nah. and so back and forth, just to keep it interesting. A lot of money in prison. Yeah, it is, but <laughs> yeah, but it's the feds, it's not the state. So the feds is more mainly conspiracy, drug dealers, uh, um, what's this like Ponzi schemes, mm-hmm. doctors, things yeah. like that. So there's a lot of money in that, not. And uh, we have a conversation with him. He comes in. He looks kind of. So I get up. All right, let me. Let me. Disarmed this dude. Hey, how you doing, man? My name is Wawa, man. Go ahead and have a seat. You want something to drink? So he's still in prison. You don't offer people something because they think you're going to want something in return. <laughs> Yo, I mean. Some people are like that, man. But trust me, I, I wasn't. I really wanted to feed the guy because, I mean, the law yeah. of reciprocity, right? right? You give him something, he feels obligated <laughs> to give you <him> something. <laughs> give you're
2: him. still a gentleman. You're a <laughs> okay. sure. right.
1: So we sit down and, and I ask him what our problem was. And fuck. He just got up, we gave him some paper and some pencils, and he went to work explaining it to us. Wow. And before you knew it, all the guys that were outside my cell smoking weed, they were all bunching yeah. in. What's he saying? What's he saying? Yeah. Like we were sitting there and he he was preaching the gospel of real estate and, and money laundering for us. So that was pretty interesting. But there's something, I don't, I don't know what it was about Ryan, but I knew that I needed to be tied in with this guy. I didn't understand it at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so before he left, I wasn't gonna let him leave without yeah. giving me his number and yeah. contact information because I yeah. saw a lot of value in his eyes. I think I think I saw more in him than he saw in himself at that moment because yeah. I was never attached to anybody in prison like that. Yeah. And I st- he got out seven years before I did. And for seven years, I would talk to him Thanksgiving and Christmas. So for seven years, I stayed in contact with wow. him, and you, you call him. Yeah, I would yeah. call him on the phone, or I, I wasn't a collect
2: call from. No, so I actually that, paid for him. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, sure, okay. we
1: paid for him in the feds, and uh, I would call him. We'd have a fifteen minute conversation because that's the limit, and uh, I'd call him twice a year for Thanksgiving and Christmas. Um, I knew he was busy doing his own thing. Then he tells me, "Hey, I got married. I got a kid." Oh shit, damn, he's growing pretty fast out there, and. uh, Next thing I know, when I got out, I'm like, hey, uh, Caesar's back in Rome. When can we talk? And uh, he invited me over. Well, actually, he invited me over to this sky, this sky rise he was living in, having an event. And I mm-hmm. walked in. You got to remember, I'm still at the halfway house. So when I walk in, uh, he's got a suit on, kind of like what you got on. <laughs> okay. And uh, so not Ryan today, but uh, <laughs> he had t-shirt. a suit on. <laughs> yeah, black T-shirt, black jeans. And uh, he had... 30 beautiful white people's faces just looking at him as he was preaching something. I didn't understand what he was doing. And, uh, he sees me, he says my name, waves at me and he continues teaching his class. Um, I ended up meeting his current wife, Amy. I met some of the staff members. They all seemed nice. And and he was giving me books and some of his T-shirts. I'm like, bro, you were writing books since you got out? He left me. That's one thing that he did leave me when I was in prison. He left me a ton of books that I've actually read two or three times each. And uh, that's what got me on that journey for the next seven years to read uh, books on business, um, human behavior, Um, and pretty much adopt the things that I had from the cartels. So when I was invited, I actually asked him for a job. I was at the halfway house. I was like, bro, I need a job. I need to be around people like you. Uh, He says, well, I can't pay you much because, like, honestly, you don't know anything about the Internet. I'm like, look, what what do I need to learn about the Internet to roll with you? Wow. He says, uh, get you a laptop, get you an Apple. And then he Connected me with one of the guys he was working with that taught me how to turn it on, how to log in, and Seriously, set up all the software. Extent, yes, yeah. I, I didn't know anything about the internet. I didn't know I, I didn't even know the internet existed. I couldn't yeah. even use my my phone. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, FaceTime. Wow. What the fuck? I could see you on my phone. <laughs> you know. So I did 15 years in the feds uh, consecutive. That means day to date for 15 years. Uh, I've done 21 years in prison, my entire life, and I'm 45. So I've done half of my life in prison. Holy moly. So yeah. How old old
2: were you when when you first went
1: in? uh, I was 14 when I went in, I did two years there and then two years here, three years. It took me two years to beat uh, two murder cases. Um, I was in there for 180 days and they finally let me out on bond. I was fighting for a bond and I was able to uh, showcase that I was innocent in front of my peers. So um, I beat those two murder cases, but I did some, a little bit of time there. But the real stretch was the 18 years that I got 210 months in the Federal Bureau of Prisons. I did 15 on that. So when I got out, that one hurt. 15 yeah. years what, hurt. What, what was that for? Uh, conspiracy to manufacture and distribute methamphetamine and cocaine. Damn,
2: 15 years or, 15. 18, or 18 years.
1: Yeah, I got 18 years. I did 15 on it. The only reason I did 15 on that one was because Obama or the Bush administration uh, gave us two points, which is kind of deducted for nonviolent offenders. Mm. Well, that particular case wasn't violent. It was just yeah. a conspiracy. I actually had no dope. It's just hearsay, she say.
2: But 15 years. Wow. 15 years. and yeah. they didn't catch me
1: with anything. Um, so when I get out, I'm like, hey, I need a job. He's like, well, I'll pay you 250 or whatever. And what year was this when you got out? 2000 this was november i got out november 15 2014 but i was i went straight to the halfway house i had three months to do there so while i was there i was trying to learn about social media about he's like the first thing he tells me was get a facebook so december december something of 2014 is the date i started my facebook and it's a reminder because i got it on there and uh so I'm like, look, bro. Whatever you need me to learn, I'm gonna learn it. He said I could give you 250 bucks or whatever. I can't pay you much. I told him no. I'll pay you. I just need a job and I need to be around what you got going. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it would have been easy to grab some of my old drug money and start a business, go get into real estate or. I was about to ask you that. Yeah, there's a ton of things that I could have done. Yeah. Like uh, one of my best friends, a lot of people know who I'm talking about. Like he's real good friends with Jerry Jones. He built the star. For Jerry Jones, mm-hmm. um, multi-millionaire, very successful, uh, he was the first one to reach out his hand and be like, "Come on, it's gonna make millions. It's uh, good, but I didn't like. And this is then oh, this is the probably life, my wrong weakest. Wrong yeah, this yeah. is my weakest flaw is accepting help from my friends. Just because you're a millionaire, I'm not gonna look at you different. I'm looking at mm-hmm. you as the person. Yeah. I, I don't. I've I've had millions before. Yeah. It didn't make me a better person. It just made me more of who I am. Um, so I I tell him, look, give me two fifty. I'll pay you five hundred. I just I just want to be around here. I'll pay for this. Um, I just don't understand what I'm supposed to be doing. He I went through all his digital programs uh, to this date. I haven't added it up, but it's over hundred and fifty thousand dollars that he has invested in my education. I don't know what this dude saw in me, other than working hard, eager to learn and change my life, and uh, he gave me the opportunity by investing in me and giving me the opportunities to uh, to transfer into or transition into corporate world, and just continues. I just continue to prove myself to who, be. Who's this again? Ryan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, he, in
2: other words, it took a guy that's in the same shoes you were to mm-hmm. get out to win in business, to really reinvest back into somebody to make sure they don't go back to that life and now i'll pass it along as much amen as I can. to that bro right that's what that that's that it. see people wonder why capitalism and entrepreneurship uh heal people yeah. because when you give a man economic empowerment he doesn't want to go back to that life no and put his life and time at risk mm-hmm. absolutely right and, and so uh, for, for you um so t- talk to us about how your faith and finance they started to intersect when you moved moved here out to, to frisco texas when did it all start coming together for you sure once all those
0: allegations dropped, I cleared all that. Um, was back on the road. And all that perspective really made me just, like I said, think. Like, what was I doing? What was the goal? What kind of legacy did I want to leave? What do I want this name to stand for? All that, right? Um, during that time, I, I've always never been okay with enough. So even when I was a cop, you know, you get a lot of time off if yeah. you choose to. Um, always had some side hustles, making a couple extra bucks here or
2: there. And so you know, of you were you know, just weren't comfortable just being comfortable. You, you always wanted to grow and progress. and yeah, reinvent yourself. Yeah. Okay.
0: Couldn't sit still. Gotcha. Right. So, um, in that, in that time period, uh, one of these side hustles I had going on was in network marketing. And, uh, I, I went to a convention and met this. A uh, guy named Scott Unkelbach, who ultimately oh, wow. no introduced kidding. me to uh, Keith Kraft, who was speaking on yeah. stage at this event. Um, <clears throat> something about this guy just had to dial in, right? Like yeah. he, he, he's a think coach and then some. Yeah.
2: And uh, <laughs> by the way, for those who go to Elevate Life Church, this is Garrett Unkelbach, who runs uh, Mighty Men on yep. Saturday. This is his dad, correct? And yep. he's buddy buddies with Yep,
0: he's Pastor Keith Kraft. Best friends for forty years. It's awesome. They, they built that church literally. Scott built the church. Um, so
2: entrepreneur helps Scott be a mm-hmm. I love
0: it. There it is. Yep. And Scott saw something to me. I don't know what it was, but he kept pouring into me. And then I heard Keith speak one day and I was like, man, this guy's got it dialed in. And, uh, at the end found out he was a pastor and he's a, a leadership like, coach, yeah. they, they, up there they're with 26 inch biceps and Jordans <laughs> and the t-shirt. And I'm like, I may be able to go to that church. <laughs> so, um, started really. Uh, seeking out his content and mm-hmm. reading his books and what have you. And as I really started to evaluate whether or not I wanted to continue law enforcement, I knew I didn't want to be up in the Northeast anymore. So I wanted to get back home to Texas. Um, as I decided to recalibrate what the vision was going to be, the legacy was going to be, whether I stayed in law enforcement, didn't, what have you, get back home to Texas, get reseated, uh, originally from Houston. And uh, didn't want to go back to Houston. And I just felt called towards Frisco, which is where Keith pastored, right? So I decided I'm just going to pick it all up and drive to Frisco and cash in and see what happens. And you've never been to Frisco? No. uh, I take that back. I went to Frisco once over this, like, three-month period of me deciding. I went to church once and left about halfway in. Felt like I didn't belong there, Uh, to be honest. I was still figuring it out, right? It wasn't Elevate. It It was Elevate. Yeah, it was Wow. (laughs) But I went in, and I was just like, you know. I, I went in, I ducked in the back and opened yeah. the top of leachers. Yeah. And I was like, I don't, I don't, I'm still trying to figure out who knows me from this accident. Right? Uh, like, There's yeah, yeah. something I'm wearing on me. So uh, came in late, left early, yeah. whole thing. But I, I definitely felt comfortable that this was the area to move to. Yeah. So packed everything up, um, headed out that way, which everybody thought was crazy. Right? Yeah. You, know, you have a retirement as a cop. And, <laughs> and what are you going to do? I don't know where you're going to live. I don't know. Like, you know how house picked out? Nope. Uh, That retirement's worth 65K when you're 60. Cool. If I need 65K when I'm 60, I probably did it wrong. (laughs) Right? So, uh, drove on down towards Frisco. I think I stopped in Nashville or Memphis at a truck stop. Rented a house off Craigslist after I took a shower. And uh,
2: never saw it. No. Sight unseen. unseen, Just rented. it. (laughs) It's
0: like, hopefully it's still there. Yeah. Put my deposits down. Showed up. It was a real house. Uh, real agent. Um, it was you uh, yeah.
2: No, no Venmo scams. Correct. Yeah. So
0: I had a little bit of cash saved aside, and took a couple of weeks to figure it out. Do I want to go back into restaurants? Yeah. What do I want to do? Um, yeah. And sales had always kind of tugged at me because at yeah. the end of the day, whether it's restaurants, whether it's being a t- uh, detective, just being a human being, mm-hmm. it's sales. It's yeah. just people skills. Being a human. Yeah. Um, so. I decided to take a stab at sales, and concurrently started going to Elevate Life Church. Uh, twenty sixteen is when I moved here, and excelled in sales. Started got to a point where I was in outside sales, making about twenty twenty five k a month. Um, never had that kind of money. No kidding. Uh, and what then, were you we selling? Uh, energy efficiency. So, radiant barrier, insulation, wow. solar attic fans, wow. HVAC, things like wow. that. And um, decided right around 2019 is when the whole faith and financial side really started mm-hmm. to collide. Because I got saved and baptized in 2019. And then I opened my first business in 2019. I I was going back and forth with the two biggest competitors in um, energy efficiency. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then I said I wanted to, I want to see at the table. One percent, whatever that looks like. I'm not greedy. Yeah. But you mean I'm, an equity I'm, position. Yeah, I'm making yeah. you guys a lot of money. Uh I was, I think in sales, I was averaging about 1.8 to two a year. Uh, and that was pretty good for installation sales. And <laughs> it um it was a, a no. I was like, cool, well, I can go do this. I <laughs> think <laughs> so came up with a logo and uh contacts with the crews yeah. and 2019, started my own, did just under a million sales, net about 350. And then uh, one month, I net one, 105, 106, actually. And I was like, I gotta do something with this. Nice. So I just kind of started to spiral with that. And the growth from business and entrepreneurship paralleled directly with my faith and my obedience and yeah. and um, really pushing yeah, after man. seeking God. And, and, um, being very diligent about my alignments and my intentionality with what I was doing and what I thought my purpose was yeah. and, and that whole um, unveiling, for sure. Amen. Praise God, man. Yeah. Awesome.
2: What about you? Uh, what, what, what do they call you? Wawa. Wawa. Wow. <laughs> when did faith and finance cross your path to
1: leave that life? Recently, I grew up a Catholic but I never felt Catholic. If that makes sense, I ne- I never agreed. Put it like this: We heard so many stories growing up that when the priests would walk by us, I would mm-hmm. grab my little brothers and stand in front mm-hmm. of them, like stand yeah. behind me, yeah. like just behind the rumors or whatever mm-hmm. they got going on at the Vatican that they hide. Right. Yeah. So I I was a little distance from that. Grew up very superstitious mm-hmm. and if you don't believe in God, all these horrible things are gonna happen to you. Um, it wasn't until October 1st at Ryan's uh, birthday party. I <laughs> i don't wanna say I got cornered, but I think it was premeditated. I had a conversation with two very strong uh, men of God. One of them's named Steve Weatherford, and the other one's named David Harris Jr. Of course. good
2: guys, <laughs> man. Perfect. I love these guys. Yeah.
1: So these two dudes start talking to me. First, uh, I see Steve talk to Dave, and then yeah. and then he sits down. He starts a conversation so Both of these me. guys
2: have been on the podcast. It's funny yeah. that you mentioned his oh, names. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 They're, they're some of the first podcasts I with the Dallas. That's okay. great.
1: Perfect. So you, you, you know they're genius, right? They're very intelligent individuals, very persistent. And, uh, these
2: are big guys too, man. They so, are some so, big dudes, so, man. So They ain't no little dudes. So when the they, corner you, <laughs> they corner you, they corner you.
1: So he starts talking to me about God. Hey man, tell me a little bit about your story. I tell him a little bit about my story. I'm very transparent. So it, it it's it whatever you you do in the dark or you try to hide or 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 broom it under a carpet, um, mm-hmm. and then you grow up to be let's just say COO of a company. Uh, people can try to use that against you, but if you just put it out there and not ashamed of your past, what can they use against you? Well, I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna tell the people you used to be associated with prison gangs. or I'm gonna tell them you were associated with the cartels. Yeah. I'm gonna ruin your reputation. It's already out there. Why yeah. am I gonna be sure. hiding it, right? Yeah. So um, interesting. I, I have that conversation with them, not as in depth as I, I went in here with you, but uh, one thing I was having a problem is forgiving myself for the crimes that I've committed in the past. Um, I couldn't forgive myself, so I didn't feel like I can look in God's face Mm. um, Mm. and tell him that I'm an honorable man, a man of God, a man who loves him. I've always felt this presence, but I was never seeking him. I was more hiding from him. And there's something that David told me, David Harris Jr. He says, God sent his only son to be slaughtered. And his blood to purify and clean everybody's sins in this world. But yours. Dang, that hit hard. Why am I so special that he that his blood can forgive everybody's sins but mine? That was my doing. Wow. So that's where he got me. I I first I, I backed up away. I went outside. I'm like, hey Ryan, I'm gonna have to leave, bro. Yep. He's like, "What's up?" I said, "I got Steve and David mm-hmm. in there. They're about to dunk me in your swimming pool, bro. I got a feeling that that's that what they're wanting to do." <laughs> I, I didn't understand how you receive God, uh, Jesus, in, in your heart, so I agreed to him. They caught me. They cornered me again that same night. I should have, no, oh, I should, I shouldn't have not ran. So I did the right thing. Um, so he's like, "Are you willing to accept God today to be your your Lord and Savior?" I said, "Yes, I do." After they told me that. They went and got Ryan and we walked into Ryan's bedroom and they laid their hands on me and uh, they just prayed over me. I repeated some words that they asked me to repeat and I accepted them into uh, into my heart. That was my first day. It was October 1st, 2022. Um, Was it in August? Mm -hmm. August. I just quit. I've never been a guy what I call straddle the fence. If me and you are best friends and you don't like this person, I might not have problems with them. But if you got problems with him, I got problems with him too. Sure, I'm not going to straddle the fence. I'm not going to be his friend and your friend too. Yeah. Um, so, why would I do that to God? Why would I straddle the fence, have one foot in with God and one foot outside doing yeah. whatever I want to do? So it came to a point in my life where I just um, I called Travis, and I'm like, bro, I want to get baptized. And then he's like, well, okay, cool. He was, how do you want to do it? As soon as before I responded to him, I had reached out to uh, Steve. And I'm like, I want to get baptized. And he got excited. You know, Steve, he's, he's always sending videos. Yeah, yeah. So he was excited. He couldn't wait to do it. He said, allow me. Let's do it in my home. Yeah. Invite yeah. anybody you want to invite. Yeah. Just come on in. I called Ryan. I'm like, bro, I decided I want to get baptized. And uh, Steve's like, hey, uh, one of my other friends, might." I'm like, I'm getting baptized Sunday. Do you want to be there? He says, yeah. I can be there next Sunday, bro, if you could push it. I'm in whatever. He was overseas somewhere vacationing. Yeah. He says, I'll be back. I said, I love you, bro, but I can't wait. It has to be this Sunday. No matter what, it's going to be this Sunday. Call called Ryan. I'm getting baptized Sunday. It means a lot to me to be there. He said, I wouldn't miss it for the world. Mm-hmm. So Steve and Travis get together and they're like, who do you want here? I said, I want this to be a King's baptism. I want nothing but warriors here. So, That room was pretty impressive of the, of the gentlemen that were in there. Um, it was, it was, it was something special, but I wanted it to be done that Sunday because you never know what can happen outside of that. I knew that at least Sunday I would be there and, uh, it went through, um, we, we showed up, everybody was there. Everybody I invited was there, um. Did my baptism. It was it was it was beautiful. The the messages that I got and the motivation, other people started getting baptized yeah, because awesome. of
0: that. Yeah. So yeah. that's
1: that was touching.
0: I gotta set the stage for you because yeah. he's not he's not highlighting it enough. Picture a so Steve's one of my best friends, and obviously Jose as well. We you know we, we came in alignment about a year or so ago. Imagine a living room with about a dozen guys tatted up, Gucci, Louis, Rolexes, iced out. <clears throat> coming to see former cartel get baptized by a narco and a Super Bowl champion. <laughs> <laughs> like,
2: what are the odds of that? Yeah, right? Right. It, was, it was it was only, only cool. God brings those stories together. Absolutely if you, you right. don't think God can use in your, your mess, you're shortchanging yourself. Yeah. God can use you in a very powerful way, that's, yeah. as you're seeing with these two guys mm-hmm. here. Yeah. That's, that's that's an amazing thing. Yeah, but I, uh, I had Steve come by earlier this year to talk to my guys. Yeah. And next thing you know, man, we're baptizing people in my pool. He's <laughs> on fire for Christ, man. He's on he fire for is he on fire. Oh, fire. And yeah. this
1: guy right here, he's, uh, so we we meet up with him Tuesdays at 530 in the morning at his house just to do prayer. Yeah. Uh, one thing he said, what can I do for you? I said, teach me how to pray over others. Yeah. Uh, I got a friend named Brandon Brittingham. Uh, every time he gets up on stage, he's like, pray over me. Pray over me, mm-hmm. pray over me, and uh, he wrote post about. It. He's a pretty big influencer in the real estate world. He uh, he started that with me. Just yeah. he says, bro, I feel it when you pray over me because people have the the misconception that God is weak or you got to turn your cheek yeah. or you have to not cuss and behave. What people don't understand is God is a God of war. He loves his warriors. He loves his yeah, soldiers. Sure. He loves uh, the biblical is is. Filled with work. Mm-hmm. Filled with war. Yeah,
2: and warriors. And, and warriors. warriors. <laughs> and Save his yeah. mighty men. There yeah. we
1: go. And he is the one entity that exists that demands, demands. He don't ask you for it. He demands the level of respect. Don't pray to other gods. Don't do this. Don't do that. I'm warning you. Mm -hmm. I'm warning Mm -hmm. you, you don't want what's coming with (laughs) that. And uh, he'll destroy countries. And and there's one statement on there that says, I will erase you and your whole bloodline from the face of this earth. You will never existed here. That was the most powerful gangster shit I've ever heard in (laughs) my life. I said, that's the kind of God I could get behind.
2: As as you wrap up, I want to ask you the question. I'm going to ask you the same question too as well. People are recreating themselves for the new year. People are recreating themselves constantly, whether it's a new year or not. They're sick and tired of life. They're sick and tired of being sick and tired. What's one, two, three actionable steps that you can give people? You're the CEO of phone sites and a closer marketing here in Plano, Texas. You're obviously on a very uh, big success path, uh, uh, trending upward. What would you tell somebody to re- how to recreate themselves? They don't like what their life is like. They don't like what their years turn out to be. They don't want the same to be repeated next year.
1: What would you tell That's a good one i would tell everybody that no matter what you're currently going through those are lessons that you're going to need to come out of the storm that you're currently at if you really want change don't wait until you hit the bottom get lost in the sauce go into the dark places where you start hating yourself and doubting yourself and killing your own confidence use all the lessons like in my lessons when i was in a cartel Accounting. I use that for my PLs. So crazy. Management. Instead of running killers and, and ops, I'm running sales teams and marketing teams. I'm running businesses. Um logistics, how to transfer, you know, shirts or things that we're currently selling books and how to logistically get them to our clients. Everything that I've learned in the cartels, because it was a business, I brought it into the corporate world. And it's not only that I'm educated in the corporate world, but tying that into it um, just makes me a little bit more stronger. Being COO, a kid from the slums, a kid in gangs, a kid in cartel, a kid who's done uh, numerous years in prison to come out and be able to do that. If you apply yourself and you use the things that you use right now, remember this, God made us all perfect. Nobody is worthless in this world. He's given us talents to use. Now, if he can't use those talents because you shy away from them, then you can be useless. You're not worthless, yeah. but you can be useless. If God can't use you for the talents that belong to him that mm-hmm. he gifted you, you become useless to him. I never want it to be useless. Right. I want it to be useful.
2: Yeah. Amen. So that's man. what I got. You don't want to remove yourself from the favor of God, man. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Amen. <laughs> Amazing. Travis, how would you answer the same question?
0: Um it, I, I feel like it's actually really simple, <clears throat> not necessarily easy, right, to to really grow. Um, everybody's got demons, whether it's a previous life, mm-hmm. whether it's an accident, whether it's liking cheeseburgers. Um, sure. Alcohol, whatever it yeah, is, right? Yeah. Um, you either run from your demons or you conquer them, right? So you if you decide to just stand up because it's all under your control, if you conquer your demons, you can claim your kingdom right? And that's what God's got for us. So there, there's mm-hmm. one actionable tactical step that a mentor gave me a while back that uh, I've given a lot of clients and I've done myself. It's just hugely powerful is sitting down and just writing out your obituary, right? I don't know if you've ever heard of that, um, but just sit down. Yeah. and I'm going to <clears> laugh <throat> in you because we talk about this stuff a yeah, the time. Of course, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Crazy thing to do, though. Write down what it is you think people will or you want for them to say about you, who you were, how you impacted people around you, so on and so forth, right? And if you're not there, just what are the steps to get there, right? Write write out those actionable things and those traits. Mm -hmm. Write out what you believe. Put The, The great thing about internet nowadays is with influencers and social media and Instagram, like you can literally start picking your avatars of what you want, right? They're out there. Um, They're out there. Yeah. And nothing is unique, right? Like it's all, whether it's self-development, growth, all of it boils down to the Bible at the end of the day. Like it's all templated out just to find what
2: really relates to you. Yeah. King Solomon said, there's nothing new created underneath the sun. Yep. The only thing different is you. Correct. You. 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 Yep. That's that's what's unique. And we're visual people.
0: so find the people that you visually yeah. are attracted to yeah find their routines and use that as a staple and as a base and you'll refine it from there and have your own yeah but it's it's really not hard
2: that's awesome man I'm reminded of the scripture Jeremiah uh, Jeremiah 29 verse 11 for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a good future and when I was in Chicago I was like I want to live somewhere in Texas I don't know where and I put my hands on the map. I said, look at Dallas. And I looked at Dallas. I zoomed out. And I saw this land called Prosper, Texas. I'm like, what a great city to live in, yeah, Prosper. Prosper, Texas. I ended up right below it in Frisco. But uh, to, to be here in Texas, to see um, these men uh, come together and have God use them. And I believe that for you, too, as well. If you're watching this podcast, you listen to this podcast, and you don't think God can use it in a very mighty, mighty powerful way, listen to these guys. Look what God has done in their lives. And, and all I believe is this, you can always recreate yourself in any given moment. You can recreate yourself at the speed of a decision. And I also believe too, that the best of your life is still ahead of you. I believe the best days and the best mm-hmm. moments, your best decisions, your best scenarios and experiences are still ahead of you. And uh, if you're watching this right now and you have not accepted the Lord into your life, we'll reach out to these gentlemen, reach out to us. We'll usher you in, in that right direction. We got a large network across the country, and we want to be able to help you in not just your finances, but also, most importantly, is your faith. Yeah. Because uh, if God can work to you, He can work through you. And watch these gentlemen right now what they're doing in their lives businesses, sure. entrepreneurs, not consumers, but generators and producers of value. And uh, seeing God move in their life is very inspiring to me. I'm just very proud of you guys. I appreciate you guys making time to come here on the Seven Figure Squad podcast. And if uh, if you want to follow these gentlemen, put all their links in the descriptions below. Make sure you follow their stories here on Instagram. They're kicking out a ton of value, helping people out. Make sure you start yourself with the right people. So therefore, the right circumstances, the right situations can happen in your life. That being said, please subscribe, hit like, drop your comments below. You agree with us? You don't agree with us? Please let us know. You might use that comment in a future episode in the future. That being said, on behalf of these gentlemen from Dallas, Texas, I'm your mighty smart guy. Until we meet again. Continue live smart, continue to love smart and be money smart today. Bye bye.